Hi friend, it's 2020, and let's be real. If you're anything like me, this year is not going the way you planned. It may feel lonely, scary, disappointing, or even overwhelming. But especially in times like these, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself longing for something better, something real? When all else has been stripped away, what matters most? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you don't know what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, can I get an amen? (laughs) This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm joined today by a very special returning co-host, my Italian exchange daughter, who's here connecting virtually from halfway around the world, Lucrezia Lu. Welcome back. Thank you. Hi again. Thank you for having me (laughs) one more time. Lou, I know you're from Northern Italy and that area has been hit hard with the pandemic um, and you weren't allowed to leave your home for quite a few weeks. So now we're recording this in mid-May. How are you doing and are you able to go outside and get some fresh air? Things seem to be better. We are still on lockdown, but there's a new phase going on and we can go and see our relatives. So... It's way nicer than before. <laughs> I'm really thankful for the gift of technology right now, and I'm really glad you're yeah, here. Me so, too. thanks for being back. Well, friend, it's still 2020. Dun dun dun. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we've been talking about clarity this year. Clarity means we're looking for transparency and authenticity. We're all about finding something real on the Finding Something Real podcast. (laughs) And each month we've talked about finding clarity around different issues, issues that I personally sometimes want more clarity in, the idea being that maybe you want that too. This month we've been talking with guests about clarity around living on purpose. In other words, how do we live intentionally when life does not go as we planned? Every month, I create a free set of reflective questions designed for you, questions to challenge you to ask yourself some tough questions and go a little deeper with each month's topic. To access those sheets, you can visit my website at janellewood.com. Just look for the section at the top of the page that says Clarity 2020. So I am looking forward to chatting with our awesome guest today. This man is a former Army Ranger and jail chaplain. He's a husband, father, ski instructor, and is currently working on his master's in apologetics at Biola University. He's also the teaching pastor for Christ Center in Chelan, Washington. He's a mission-focused man with a passion for truth and Jesus Christ. David Belcher, welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, David, this is a treat. Um, And I have to tell our listeners that um, a couple years ago, we had been trying some different churches and were struggling because we really wanted to go to a place where we could bring young people that came from different beliefs and cultures. 
And when I, whenever we walked into a church service, I kept trying to put myself in one of my exchange daughter's shoes. And I'd ask if I didn't know Jesus or if I had a surface level relationship with him, would I want to come back here? And I remember talking with a friend of mine around that time and she gave me some great advice. She basically said, there's no perfect church. Just go where you want to be in it with people, where you want to be in the thick of it with them. And a few weeks later, we had tried out Christ Center and we felt love and and heard some truth. And we hesitantly came to a midweek Bible study you were leading. And I remember you were so enthusiastic about Brian and I being there. And about 30 minutes into our conversation, you said something about being a new pastor. And I said, how long have you been pastoring? And I remember remember you laughed and you said, about three weeks. (laughs) Welcome to the party. (laughs) And, And you know what? That was the moment I knew. You were the type of people we wanted to be in the thick of it with. <laughs> what, ones with little experience? <laughs> <laughs> no. And we, I, I wanted to tell people, I wanted to clarify something here too. I wanted to take an opportunity here. My mom used to say that if God can speak through a donkey, he can use any one of us. And I made the mistake of sharing that sentiment with you once. <laughs> I think you were expressing something about only being a pastor for a sh- uh, short amount of time. Um, And now I've heard it repeated from the pulpit that I called you a donkey. And I just want to make it clear for the record that I never called you a donkey. (laughs) I just, I truly believe that God will use anyone who's willing and surrendered to him. (laughs) And uh, for the record, now it's recorded, hopefully. (laughs) I I prefer prefer mule horse. (laughs) A mule horse. (laughs) Well, I'm thankful you're here. (laughs) Um, Does your life look like the way you imagined I, I know you've got a lot of different hats and a lot of things that you're doing, but yeah. how does your life look different than what you imagined when you were a kid? Oh, wow. Uh, not regarding the pandemic, just in general? Yeah, just just introduce um, people I never, to who you are. When I was a little kid, I think about my son right now. He turns three here in two weeks. And when I was that age, I have two older brothers. I remember saying that I was going to be a construction worker and live at my older brother's house. <laughs> I got to be honest, I couldn't imagine doing that right now. (laughs) Um, I always wanted to either play professional sports or be a soldier. Um, And we we always went to church and I grew up in a Christian home and we went to church three times a week on on Wednesday nights for, you know, Awanas or youth group and then, uh, you know, Sunday school and church service and then Sunday evening service. So I grew up in a in a Christian home, but I never I never thought I would be a pastor, to be honest with you. Um, not that I was against that. I just, my focus was always sports or military and that's really what I've always enjoyed. But, um, I definitely, I definitely am learning that God's called me into doing this. So, (laughs) yeah. So how did you become a pastor? Uh, I was sweeping our church floor at 8am on a Sunday morning and our lead pastor asked me if I wanted to. (laughs) So that's, that's basically how it worked out. Um, I was, uh, for about a year, um, Anya and I would go in to Christ Center in Kashmir and we would uh, do like the janitorial type work. We'd take the trash out, we'd beat the rugs out, we'd sweep the floor, um, whatever needed to be cleaned up before the worship team got in there. And uh, we did that for about a year. And during that same time, I was a jail chaplain and I would fill in for Andy Robinson, who's the children's pastor down there, um, when he would you know, need someone to replace him. And I would lead men's Bible studies and stuff like that. But, you know, just doing the the deacon deacon work serving the mm-hmm. church. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. We had, um, Ryan and I interviewed Steve and Stephanie Haney, mm-hmm. um, the, the lead pastor for the Kashmir campus, um, a couple months ago and they're an amazing couple, but 
it's neat that he saw something in you uh, and said, hey, you want to do this? Well, you know what's what's interesting is I got out of the military five years ago in January, and I was really considering what career paths to take. And I actually at that point was considering uh, going into uh, the pastorate. And I at that time, I spent quite a bit of time speaking with the former lead pastor, Paul Williams, when Steve was, uh, Steve was really, you know, leading because Paul was going through a brain tumor and some really uh, serious health issues, but um, he was still in that lead pastor role then. And uh, I remember talking with him about it and, you know, seeing what that would uh, measure up to. And he had me, he had me teach in his Sunday school class a couple of times and he had me preach down in Kashmir um, a couple of times. And, uh, you know, just at that time, it didn't really, God didn't take that direction on me, you know, going to a seminary or anything like that. Um, but it's definitely, you know, Steve definitely anchored that in with me and, and he saw that gift and he encouraged me to do it. And so, hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. How has your life changed since the pandemic and how are you spending your time? Um, you know, right now my life is really individually, it's, um, largely in private study and, uh, you know, sermon preparation and writing research papers. Um, you know, the guy that you had on, um, that works for RZIM, Brandon Cleaver, I, I just looked him up and I didn't realize he's a Biola Christian apologetics grad. So, uh-huh. uh, you're, you're just on the right path with, uh, <laughs> so we have that in common. Um, but a large amount of my time, over the past year has been in private study. Um, but also, you know, I have two little kids and, uh, so I have to take care of them. And then Anya, you know, she's a full-time professor, but in the past two months, she's not able to go into school. So she's have, she's still having to do all of her classes that she would normally do. So she's had to figure out how to get all those online and all that. So, um, you know, this situation has caused us to kind of just like everybody else adapt to use technology to get your, get your duties done. Um, but also, you know, the fellowship with people in church and, you know, just visiting people and spending time, that's, that's been missed. But we've tried to make up for that, you know, in, in ways like this. But you can't, really, you can't really replace that. How did you get into apologetics, David, since you brought that up? Well, um, I actually, you know, Anya graduated from Biola. And uh, I've always, um, since I've learned of the university, I've, I've you know, really held it in high esteem. It's a great school. And you know, they don't really take a stance left or right of the Bible. They just kind of go straight down the center. And there's a lot of seminaries that, you know, whether they'll be Reformed or Armenian or Calvinist or whatever, um, they'll really take a hard stance left or right. And Biola doesn't really do that. They really just stand on biblical truth. And, um, you know, that's what I that's what I agree with. And that's what I make an effort to do. And then the program um, is really what lined up with what we have going on in life. Um, my first priority is to, you know, preach on Sunday mornings and then, uh, you know, lead my family. And so they, this program that is offered there is a hybrid program where I only have to be present on campus, uh, once a semester and then once in the summer for, you know, a week, t- week or two time frame, and I can do the rest of the work, um, at home. So the program itself lended itself to, um, just where we're at in life and where we're living, um, but also as far as the topic of apologetics goes, you know, the apologetics, it's kind of gotten like uh, this exotic appeal to it in Christianity and really, I mean, it's great. It's, it's giving a defense uh, for why you would have hope in Jesus Christ. Um, and it's, it's not just about giving a defense of it, but it's also about giving a clear ex- explanation of what Christianity is about. 
Um, but apologetics in its uh, category is really just a subset of theology. Um, and if you have, if you really have sound theology and real good biblical grounding, it's not super complicated to explain why you would hope in Christ. But uh, the the coursework that I've gone through has really helped give more academic um, explanation to how to how to you know kind of defend with a skeptic or even even a Christian that just hasn't been able to spend as much time in the Word and uh, or in philosophy and understand how the world really likes to you know put anchor points of worldly philosophy into the Christian church um, and kind of lead them astray. Uh, so it's really helped with those things a lot, and I've enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's how it's led me into it. Hmm. I almost want to get my degree in apologetics now. Um, I had a bunch of apologetic guys. In fact, Lou helped uh, co-host some of those episodes with, with Alan Crostick and yeah. um, Chan Arnett, and then again with um, Brandon Cleaver. And um, I think it was Alan who recommended this book called Tactics by Greg oh, yeah. Kokel. Yeah. And yep. he said, every Christian should have this book. Um, so I'm going to read it and decide whether I really believe that or not. Well, <laughs> but I'm excited to read it. Well, Greg, Greg Kokel would be one of the top um, modern experts in, in Christian apologetics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend him. You know, I would say this, though. I, and I really, um, you know, I have a lot of discussion with, you know, uh, men and women in the program. And then also all of, all of the professors that I've had through Biola are, are high level Christian authors um, that have best selling books and public ministries, and they teach at Biola as a secondary profession mostly. And so you get to go back and forth with these people. And I would say this regarding apologetics, it, you got to be careful to, and, and they'll tell you this as well. Actually, one of my professors this past semester was Abdu Murray. He's the head of, mm -hmm. uh, Ravi Zacharias's ministries in, in North America. And I was talking to him about this and he, he said this, we have to be very careful to not just get caught up in arguments and, and making sure we win a debate or proving an evidence because in, I, I truly believe this is the greatest um, apologetic debate is the transformed life of an un, unregenerate person to a regenerate person someone that wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit to someone that is. And you can't deny that miracle work in someone's life. Whereas there are people that um, they will definitely debate, you know, historic facts with you, whether it's the first century church or whatever it might be, the resurrection of Christ. Um, they'll debate that stuff until the cows come home. And even if you can still pin them in a corner and say, look, here's all the evidence for, for example, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Um, they still have to come to the, the moral realization that we fall short of the glory of God. And I think the, the moral argument um, regarding all of us being sinners is really important um, when it comes to, you know, grounding yourself in a sober type of apologetics, not one that's just looking to win another debate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, as you know, uh, Ravi Zacharias is very sick right now. And, um, Medically speaking, he doesn't have any more options. Um, and Brandon Cleaver, uh, he recently was talking um, on social media a little bit about uh, Ravi's impact on his life. And one of the things that I love that he said was um, he taught him that apologetics is always about the person. Yeah. Um, and yeah. 
and that's what goes along with what you're saying. You know, it's about loving people and yeah, you, you can spend all this time studying and know all the answers, but it, <laughs> it really doesn't matter if you don't have love. And even the apostle Paul said that, you know, oh, yeah. well, it's, you know, I, th- I think it's very, very important to study. Um, studying is a, it's a spiritual discipline because you grow. But if you take that, you can take studying to a pride standpoint and you can even, even studying the scripture, you can take that to a, a, a matter of self pride. And there are people that are lost and they genuinely do need the Holy spirit to regenerate them. And if you don't have a, if you just have a heart to, or a mind to just share information and data with them, there's nothing transformative about that. Like, you know, you, you have to have that conviction to uh, actually want to change. Like, like the last thing, like one of the tenets of your podcast is about restoration. Restoration requires transformation and that doesn't happen without a change and without um, effort being put out, you know, go hand in hand. I think, I, I think it's really important to have sound doctrine and sound, uh, you know, logic and reasoning and, and be able to explain in a simple fashion. But at the same time, you can't separate that from having a heart for people. Lou, you got any follow-up questions before I ask another one? I'm just curious to, like, obviously, as you said, um, the most important thing is not to win the the argument in a lot of cases, but isn't that hard sometimes to just, you know, not having that as a goal, maybe? Just keeping in mind that it's not the most important thing. Well, you know, it, I think that's a really delicate balance. Um, it is important to have correct information, you know, when you're discussing with somebody. I mean, you could go in a courtroom and two people share two different testimonies. One of them will be accurate and one of them will be inaccurate. And so it's important that when you investigate something, um, a man named, this would be a good book for you, uh, Janelle, is a, uh, the book by Michael Lacona on the resurrection of Christ. Um, it actually, it is not. I don't want to say it's not a Christian book, but it's an unbiased book about looking at history. And you have to have a an unbiased criteria when you evaluate something. And for someone that might not be a Christian, it, it's very easy to have a, I don't want to say a warped worldview, but a worldview that has been created by the world and not by um, by God's word. And when you do that, you're not going to have sound logic. And it talks about this in Romans 1. Um so, you know, it's not about, it's definitely not about winning the debate, but when you have accurate information, it's going to, it's going to lead you to win the discussion, but you don't want to lose the person in the process. But at the same time, you don't want to sacrifice. I mean, if you genuinely love somebody, you want them to have true and accurate information so that they can have the liberty to make a decision. Um, that That's actually loving someone. You wouldn't let someone, you know, drive down the road off of a cliff if you know that that cliff is there, you would really plead with them to not do that because you care about them. So, you know, there's a delicate balance between the two. And I think, you know, as far as a virtue goes, it comes down to being, you know, prideful or humble about it. Um, prayer, prayer definitely serves a purpose in the whole thing. Um, and you got to go to the Lord in prayer when you're in these one, one-to-one relationships. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a different thing when you talk about, uh, communicating that message with a group, but, uh, when it's one-to-one, you can kind of pin down the, the discussion a little bit more. Mm. Lou, I think that's a really good point, though, because um, a lot of us have a lot of pride. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And so I think it is a real struggle 
to um, go, okay, hey, you're, come on, you're wrong. You, you haven't looked at this the right way. And to take a step back, like what you're saying, David, and humble ourselves and say, you know what? No, um, I'm going to choose to step out in love. And love is truth, right? It, truth is very important, but you can't force somebody to not drive over that cliff either. And so like what you're saying, you know, pleading and, and just talking out of love and having those conversations. And I was listening to Elisa, um, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Elisa Childers. She has a great podcast. Um, she talks a lot about progressive Christianity in her podcast. Um, but one of the things she said was when she was going through um, a time of deconstruction of her faith, where she was doubting a lot of the things that she had struggled with um, in her faith, the thing that really stood out to her was that there were people who responded in fear, who were like, oh my gosh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And here's where it says in the Bible, this is right, this is right, this is right. And she said, then there were people who would just ask her questions. And she said, and those questions were the ones that got to the heart of where she was at more than people pointing back to truth, which I think is very interesting because I think we're prone to going for the truth, the truth, the truth. But when people are going through times of doubt and struggle, a lot of times it's those hard questions, which Jesus did that too, right? That was his tactic, was he was asking questions to get to the heart of the issue. Um, yeah, I mean, the truth doesn't, it, the truth isn't bothered by investigation because it's the truth. Yeah. Um, so since we've talked a little bit about this, um, and you're studying apologetics, which is about giving a reason for your faith. Um some of the people who listen to this podcast are not sure about God or a relationship with him. Why does living with purpose include following Jesus Christ for you, David? And why do you follow him? I really think it comes down like from an apologetic standpoint. I think it comes down to three things and this is going to sound complicated, but I want to make it uh, simple. If someone doesn't, uh, if someone doesn't want to follow uh, Christ um, and if, even if someone already does, but they don't really, understand what that means because it just happened to be the construct of their upbringing. It's three things. There's the, uh, what's called the axiological argument, which axios is the Greek word for values. And that means that there is a moral, there is a moral debate or argument regarding following God. The second one is what's called the teleological argument, teleos, which is basically the fine tuning of, um, the world, the order in the world, that God has created the world so specifically that there's evidence that there's an intelligent designer. It talks about this in Romans chapter one through three. And then the third thing is what's called the ontological argument. And the ontological argument, ontology is basically the study of existence. It's, uh, it's about metaphysics. And, uh, you know, that sounds really complicated, but it's actually, you know, if you get into it, it's really, at, you know, at the, at the foundational level, it's not a complicated thing to understand. But I think the first one is the most important for people to get to is the moral argument, because we all inherently know right from wrong. You know, my son, who's about to turn three for the past year, he's known when he did something right. And he know, he's known when he's done something wrong. And that comes to us because God's hardwired each individual to know these things. And what world philosophy wants to teach today, they want to remove that identity from people and they want to remove that identity and, you know, part of the practicality of that is if you don't have that identity, you don't have to be held accountable to anything. Um, and, you know, that's really that's to your detriment, because then you can't have freedom. If you if you have no structure or restraint in your life, you have no freedom to, to live your life. You just kind of have anarchy. And this isn't just in society. It's in your internal witness and in, in your in your heart and your soul and your mind. So 
I think it comes back to the, the moral discussion, the axiological argument, the first one. Um, and you really have to, you know, in, in Christian speak, you always come back to the foot of the cross and you recognize I'm a sinner and I need a savior. That's what you would say. But for someone that doesn't know all of that jargon, so to speak, I think they need to, they really need to look hard and hard and fast at what, it, what morals look like in their life um, and how those morals are constructed. And actually, um, one of the questions that you had, the second one about people being sad and lonely during this time because they're separated from people or, you know, maybe they lost business or whatever. It really lends, that stuff lends itself to one route of thinking. And it really, um, the anchor point or the beginning foundational point is how you answer if God exists and what you're going to do about that. Um, so I, I think you got to come back to, you know, the, how, how do you understand um, moral knowledge? Like how can you actually know that something's right or wrong in our world today? doesn't want us to be able to conclude on that. I love that answer and I've never heard it described quite like that. Um, and I, I kind of dumbed it down when you were talking. So <laughs> moral argument, uh, scientific evidence and philosophical evidence, but I, I guess, um, I would love to hear, um, cause some of the people listening, um, myself included, um, we don't, I don't think, I think Lou's different than me in this. I know that she likes science and uh, these, um, I, I don't know. I, Lou's really smart, just for anyone listening. Um, Thank you. But I, <laughs> I tend to be more of a feeler and stories uh, resonate with me, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I'm wondering, David, what is your story in the sense that we all go through hard times? We all yeah. are struggling right now in, in different ways. Uh, we've never been through a pandemic like this before, almost yeah. all of us. Um, so aside from all the things that you you know and the teaching, um, and, and, and I, obviously you can't totally break that off. You, what you yeah. know is part of who you are, but why, why do you follow Jesus? Okay, I, I'm gonna tell you a story from my personal life um, that was really... Um, really rooted my beliefs that I have right now. Um, when I was 13 years old, uh, I, I moved away from home and I went to a military boarding school. So, I, you know, I lived at this place. It was three hours away from where my parents lived in r rural Virginia, um, all male school, really, really rustic. I mean, it's military, right? It's very <laughs> disciplined. It's, it's not friendly, um, but it was definitely, it was a Christian school uh, as well as military. Um, so I go there in ninth grade and, you know, I was big into sports. So I go there for preseason football and I'd never done three a day practice before. And they did three a day practice and it was just grueling. Um, and I get about three days into it and, you know, we're, I'm, I'm about to start practicing with some guys that are seniors. I'm a freshman. They're really, really good. I'm, I'm you know, be honest with you, I'm kind of scared of them. Um, and I'm super <laughs> sore. I miss my mom. I've never lived away from home. And I always remember, you know, because I always go to church and, and my dad would always say, you need to be reading your Bible, son. You need to be praying, all this kind of stuff. The same stuff that, you know, any any practicing Christian would say you need to do. But we frankly, we usually fail to do it. Um, and so I'm walking back to my barracks room as a 13 year old uh, after lunch. And we have a practice in about 90 minutes and then another practice at night. And I literally, I'm so, my body is so sore. I feel like knives are sticking into my hamstrings as I'm walking and I'm just, 
you know, I wasn't in good, uh, I wasn't prepared for it and all that kind of stuff. So I get back to my room and I'm super homesick. And, you know, if you've ever been homesick before, that's kind of like, there's no medicine for that. It's just, um, you know, there's no loneliness like homesickness. And I get back to my room and you're not allowed to have like any magazines or posters up or anything like that. I have nothing in my room. It's just a blank room. And I'm in there by myself. And I, you know, I just break down and start crying. I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm kind of in despair. I don't have a phone. This is back when you had pay phones and they didn't even, you know, like <laughs> I, you, you could call collect, but the commandant didn't turn the pay phones on, but like once a week. So I couldn't call home. Right. So I'm in this situation. I have no option but to seek the Lord. And so I sit down at my desk, this old wooden military desk, and I just start to pray. And I have this sense over me to say, open your drawer. And I've been in this room for three weeks or three days now, and I've not brought any books with me. I open it up. And in the top right-hand corner is a red Gideon's Bible. And I open that up. And I remember my dad saying, you need to read your Bible, son. And I open it up. And if you've ever looked at a Gideon's Bible, it has all of the, um, you know, obviously the table of contents for, you know, searching scripture verses, but it also has, hey, if you're struggling with loneliness, read these verses. If you're struggling with fear, read these verses and all this stuff. And I immediately turned to him and it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're more than a conqueror. Oh, you know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, in, in my internal, in my heart, in my mind, I'm just like built up. I'm like, I, I'm ready to go back to practice, you know, <laughs> and uh, it really, the word of God at that moment built me up to have the courage to return to a difficult situation. And that was probably um, that, that exact moment right there. It's not been the only moment in my life that that has happened, but that would have to be the most, you know, the deepest, most anchor point of rooting in, God's truth in my life. And because from there on out, I spent the next four years at that school. It was a very difficult school to go to. And uh, you really don't have any outside, um, you know, pat on the back or, or you don't have the opportunity to get out of a hard time. You got to figure out how to work through it. And I always had, whenever I had a world problem, I found a biblical solution and uh, it, that has always served me well. And I certainly haven't lived a perfect life. And I certainly, you know, don't have it all figured out, but when I get at any, any juncture or crossroads, I go back to the Lord in prayer and, and study a scripture and he's always guided that path. Hmm. Lou, do you have a follow-up question to that? Um, I don't know if that's something you ever struggled with. Um, but how do you personally handle maybe, um, times of doubt and crisis. I mean, it's impossible not to think about it right now. Oh yeah. I don't know if Well, regarding like whether or not I've ever struggled with my faith in God, I, I gotta be honest, I don't think that I've ever struggled with my faith in God, but I have wrestled with things such as what is the truth about this God? How have you revealed yourself about this? Um, yeah. how do you want me, how do you want me to understand this, uh, this verse that you have that is kind of obscure? You know, one example of that is like, for example, like predestination, like, you know, so many people are divided over that or certain, uh, end times eschatology type stuff. And, you know, those are, those are things that I've had to go to the Lord in prayer and really take time and study, but I've never once in my life that I can remember 
lived a time where I've said, oh, God doesn't exist. I want to do my own thing because I got to tell you what, I'm actually, of all the things to be afraid of, that would be the, the top on my list. I never, ever want to live my life outside of what God has to do for me. Um, and that's, you know, that's not because I'm some, some great person. That's just because I've been saved by God's Holy Spirit. Um, so it, as far as addressing, you know, I'm going to say this too. It's kind of like coming to a, a bend in the road for, with this pandemic. There's, there's two ways that you can take a, a trial in your life. Um, and you, you can take, you know, for example, if you are, you know, this pandemic's got you down and, and lonely and you're discouraged, you can take that discouragement and you can let it overcome you. Or you can take that same discouragement and look it in the face and grow stronger through it. And only you as the individual or myself as the individual can make that decision. Um, I, I really, I really think that it's uh, a part of being a mature believer to look at a trial and, um, say, Lord, how can I grow in holiness? How can I grow closer to you through this? What is it you want me to learn through this? Um, and strengthen me to get through it. You know, if, if we don't ever go through adversity, we'll never have any strength. Yeah. So David, I love that, but I, I want to ask you a hard question. <laughs> what <laughs> what do you say to somebody as a pastor? Um, what do you say to somebody who comes to you and says, David, um, I've been walking with the Lord a long time. Um, my daughter just died with coronavirus. Um, I'm very angry and frustrated and I don't feel like I have faith right now. How would, how would you counsel somebody like that? Yeah, I, I would. So the, I would say that you should be angry. You should be frustrated. That's a natural human emotion. That's a natural human reaction to a bad situation. Right. Um, you know, if you were to study like the topic, um, here's a really, another really good book for you regarding that. It's called why God allows evil by, um, Dr. Clay Jones. And he talks about this and there's different categories of evil. So there's, you know, such as the evil of, you know, stealing someone's stuff or hurting someone. And then there's the natural evil that occurred because of the fall, such as diseases. And, you know, it's not going to comfort a dad's heart to say, well, you know what? Um, there's natural diseases in the world and that's why your daughter died. That's not going to comfort him. And that's what he needs at that time is he needs someone to go through that difficult time with him. Um, and he doesn't need some theological you know, deep thing at that time. He literally needs the congregational care of the church or the pastor, whoever that might be. And, you know, that that's different, you know, a different role from being a teaching pastor to being a, a father or a friend type person. So I, I would allow that person to have that time period of anger and grief and despair because they just lost one of the closest person, you know, people in their life. But, you know, if 20 years pass by and they've never taken one step out of that, we, we have a little bit of a problem. That doesn't mean that they just put the past in the past, but it does mean that we have to address these difficult things because God, you know, if God has chosen to give us life, then he's also chosen to give us purpose. And we have to figure out day by day what that purpose mm -hmm. is. But I would definitely give, you know, in that in that situation, I would give that person the latitude to grieve. That's a that's a tough situation. Mm -hmm. Do you think we all have the same purpose as believers or do you think each person has a different purpose or? I think we have the same purpose, but different activities. Um, you know, the Westminster catechism says that man's chief aim in life is to bring glory to God. Um, clear, clearly, 
every human being can't do the same task regarding that. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, you know, and God, God is a God of order and God is a God of reason and logic. So I think all of us in whatever we're doing, whether it's me teaching on Sunday mornings or you doing this podcast or Lou, you doing school, whatever it might be, we need to do that to the glory of God. Um, you know, whether you're a preacher or an electrician or a stay at home mom, do it to bring God glory. And that that's our purpose, but our activity yeah, is different. That's awesome. Um, what are some practical tips or resources? You've shared a few uh, books that you recommend, but um, do you have any specific ones that have helped you stay purpose-filled during this time? Oh, man. How do you get up in the morning? Because I know some of us feel like it's the same day over and over and over again. <laughs> you you want to know yeah. how I get up in the morning? My two-year-old runs to the bed, gets right in my face and says, trucks and cars, daddy, trucks and cars. <laughs> background. He, he, I bet he keeps you really busy. <laughs> my, so, you know, like I said, you know, I, I believe that all of our purpose is to glorify our creator. My activity in that happens, happens to be at my life right now, studying, preaching, um, you know, gleaning more knowledge of who God is and communicating that to people. That happens to be my individual purpose right now. Will it be that way for the rest of my life? I have no idea. Because like you asked me at the beginning, is that what I thought I was going to do when I was four years old? I know. <laughs> you know, but that happens to be the season of life that I'm in right now. And so daily, I'm just trying to do my best to fulfill that duty. I'm not trying to strive for it. I'm just trying to be consistent at it and honor God in it. Um, and if he wants to move me on from that, I'm perfectly fine with that. But if he wants to keep me in it, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. Mm. So, you know. I, I think when you get up in the morning, you should take a sheet of paper. You should uh, record what needs to be accomplished for the day with whatever season God's given you in your life, whether it's school or, you know, um, wh whatever it is. Uh, and do your best to commit those things to God, to God and, uh, you know, do it within a reasonable time frame. Don't don't uh, strive to, you know, just accomplish objectives, but do them to the glory of God. And, and when they don't always work out um, the way you expected pray about it and let God take over because it's, it's, he's created you. You, you didn't create the situation. Mm. And you know, Augustine said in the first century, he said, no one will rest until they rest in Christ. You know, if, if God really created all things, that means he created us and he created all the situations around us. And if we really want to have peace in that, our focus has to go back to him. Mm. I'm going to ask, um, and then I'll turn it over to Lou to ask the final question. Um, but do you have a life verse or is there a specific verse that's uh, been you know, standing out to you um, right now? When I was uh, going through, you know, growing up and as a young adult, you know, my dad always sends me books. He sends me books all the time. And he always writes in there, Proverbs chapter three, three through seven, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Um, but I wouldn't say that that is like my, life verse. Anya and I, for our, our wedding, um, Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, um, where Isaiah uh, goes before God and uh, God takes, the angel takes the coal and puts it on his lips. And uh, God says, who will I send? And he says, here I am, send me. You know, that's been a really, in my heart, that's been a really strong verse, whether or not that's my life verse or not, I, I don't know. But um, I always want to be uh, available to obey God, whatever that is. Uh, so Mm -hmm. I love that. All right, Lou, final question. Okay. 
So the final question is, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those gifts we can find in the relationship with Jesus Christ, which which one stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I think restoration. Um, and I think about it from a couple standpoints. At, at church, we're going through a 28-week uh, sermon series on the book of Acts. And when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles and the early church's life, it completely transformed them. And in order to have um, restoration, there has to be transformation. And I, th- I think about we, my wife and I, we bought an old house a couple years ago, and there was a lot of restoration that had to take place. And since we've done restoration, it's transformed the look of the house. But that didn't come without effort. It didn't come without frustration. It didn't come without changes. It didn't come without discussions, arguments at sometimes. It didn't come without payments. So all of those things in the physical reality when it comes to restoration are also true in the spiritual reality. Um, So, you know, when we're restored back to God through the sacrifice of Christ, there's a transformation that occurs. And it's uh, not just on a physical level where we see fruit in our life, but it occurs first down in the soul where the soul is changed. The identity is changed to be molded back and restored back to him. So I, I think restoration is what sticks out most to me right now. Mm, I love that. Well, Lou and David, thank you so much for being here. Um, I really appreciate this conversation and I think it will be encouraging to those who listen. So thank, thank you. you for awesome. Us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast. If you love this series, or even if you're simply finding it moderately entertaining while living the limbo quarantine life, hey, that works too. Hit subscribe and come back next week when I'll probably be talking with another guest about finding something real in times of detours and disappointments. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. I share Instagram live weekly podcast recaps at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood most every Friday at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So please join me for questions and fun live awkwardness. (laughs) You can also find some study guides I've created that I hope add joy and encouragement and challenge to you during this time. You can find those on my website at JanelleWood.com. Just look for Clarity 2020 at the top of the page. And now, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope that it's this, no matter who you are, Jesus Christ loves you and you have a purpose. May you truly believe it, friend. Until next time.